Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd, and thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So here we have the story of Adam and Eve's son, Cain. When it says Adam knew Eve, his wife, that's an expression of he had physical relations with her. It just basically means they had sex and she conceived. The one thing that we got to remember is once Adam was booted from the garden with Eve, they were on the outside of what God had provided for them. They are now where their sin had taken them. And when we follow our wicked hearts and sin takes us to places, all kinds of bad things happen. The garden was a place of peace. It was a place of God's provision. It was a place of harmony with God. And now they find themselves outside of that place. So Eve has a son, Cain, and then she has another son, Abel. They both brought the Lord an offering. Cain's offering was from the ground, and Abel's offering was from the flock. In other words, Cain brought whatever he had produced from farming. God accepted Abel's offering. God looked at Cain and said, what are you doing, man? By his response, you can see that Cain had some issues. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? So Cain was angry. Fact is that God looked at his offering and says, Cain, what are you doing? That's not acceptable. Now, we may think of God in the same way that, you know, God doesn't accept my life. I try my best. Well, really, what we need to back up and think about is, number one, am I focused on pleasing God? Is that something I want to do? I know God exists. I know God has my life in view. I know I have an eternity. Am I going to prepare for that eternity by pleasing God now and following him? Cain didn't do that. Cain wasn't evidently interested in following God or doing whatever he had to do. Cain was interested in doing his own thing. And then he brought an offering that was probably pathetic compared to Abel's offering that was acceptable. So there was knowledge of what was good and what wasn't. And Abel was faithful and Cain was not. And even though Cain brought an offering. It was probably a offering that was offensive to God. It's like, dude, really? And it's like us. We do the same thing. So we can point the finger at Cain and say, you know, Cain, you brought the bad offering. Or we can say, you know, God, how could you reject his offering? At least he brought something. But you're totally missing the point when you go down that road. The point is that God loves us. God has given us a life in him. And when we follow that path, we do the things that please him, God accepts us. It didn't mean that God did not love Cain when he had rejected his offering. It meant that Cain was out of line, and God corrected him. So Cain then kills his brother. 
And we don't know if he killed him because of this offering issue or because he just absolutely resented his brother. And that's probably what it was. He just totally resented Abel. It probably was not just this offering issue. It was probably a long, bitter root that had grown within Cain because his brother pleased God and he didn't. Man, there's a lot of people like that today. They're jealous of people who please God. And you can find these people in churches. You know, you can see a new believer that came out of a real deep pit, and all of a sudden they're on fire for God. They're hearing the voice of God. God's doing miracles in their lives. He's doing some crazy things. And then the person wants to start a Bible study, and he's just happy or she's happy, and they're excited about God. They're coming to church. Everything's good. And then there's the old stoic people that have been sitting in church for years, and they can't figure out why this person's happy and we're so miserable. And the person's like, hey, praise the Lord. And they're like, yeah, 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 praise, praise the Lord. Fact of the matter is they're jealous because this person has joy. They have love. They have the fruit of the Spirit radiating from them. And when the jealous people look in the mirror, they see their sour, bitter faces, not happy with anybody. And the fact that this person can pray and get a word from the Lord, share that word, and it comes true. The fact that this person can say, I don't know a lot about God, but you know, you've got a really bad migraine, you know, let's just pray. And boom, the migraine's gone. That enrages people in the church that have no joy because they are bitter and they have no love of God in them despite their profession of faith. Sad, but they're there. Those of you that have grown up in church, you may know some of them. You know, one of the things that God does when people please him is he blesses them. And God blesses others when they don't please him. God has blessed me in times of rebellion, and it's that goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And that turned me around. I'm just like, man, Lord, you're too good. I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. You know, and that goodness he uses to show us how good he is and how impartial he is. But there's a time when God says, I'm not doing that, man. I'm not going down that road. You know what you need to do, do it. And when we obey, God's like, okay, that's good. You put yourself in a place where I'm going to bless you. When we disobey and we throw a fit like Cain did here, how can we expect God to do anything good for us? Then the Lord said to Cain, verse 9, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Why are you asking me? What's up with that? And the Lord says, what have you done? Now, God knew what he did. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So God doles out some punishment and says, here's the consequence. You're going to be a vagabond. That's what sin does. Sin comes in, it knocks at your door, and it says, hey, let me in. You let it in. Sin's like, yo, what's up? Let's, let's hang out. You hang out. Sin makes itself comfortable in your life. All the while, you're allowing it to happen, and then sin takes control. And the wages of sin is death, Paul said in Romans chapter 6. And that's what happened here. Cain's sin took up residency in his heart. It grew until it controlled him, and then he murdered his innocent brother. And God says, you are going to be cursed for that. Now, God could have put him to death. God could have said, okay, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I'm going to repay, and I'm going to repay right now. Cain, die, and boom, he could have died. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to let you wander give you some time to think about what you've done. And so we see as God drove Cain away that sin had the victory. In our life, sin does the same thing. It's a story that repeats itself over and over and over again. If you allow sin in your life to take control, it will destroy 
That's when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. You need to cast off the yoke of the devil because the yoke of the devil, when you begin to live in sin, totally willingly disobeying God, not caring what you're doing, it's going to bring you down. Many of you already know that. That's why so many people are so screwed up today. You see people on the side of the road that are walking around, and I know a lot of these people in my community because I've dealt with them before. And they're not these poor, innocent victims of society. They are people who have let evil rule in their hearts. And they have done things that have destroyed their relationships with their families. Their kids hate them. They've stolen stuff. They've done all this stuff. They have burned every conceivable bridge there is, and now they're wandering like Cain. And our efforts to help them, help them to get started, they're irritated at us. I don't need your help. Just give me some money. Because they're wandering. Not all of them, but the ones that I have met, the ones that I know their stories, yep, there's a reason why they're wandering around the streets with nowhere to go. Because in their lives, their self is their God. So wanderer, come home. Come home to Christ. Cast off that yoke of evil and put on the yoke of Jesus. Obey him. Turn from your sin cast it far from you. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength to overcome that. That's the glory of God. God changes the most unlikely people and uses them for his glory. And he can do the same thing for anybody he chooses. All they have to do is say, I'm in. So take his yoke upon you, cast off the yoke of the devil, be at peace, have joy, probably haven't had joy in a long time, and live in the grace and mercy of God, forsaking evil, and you will be blessed. Thank you.